0: The verse for this month. I've also included verse 13, Galatians chapter 5. The actual title of the message is Loving My Neighbor. This really struck me to watch this man hand his sandals over to this girl. So I think it all starts with a heart to want to give to somebody. The only way you're going to love your neighbor is to have a heart. The heart Jesus Christ had, just to give. But when we go to Galatians chapter 5, I just want to read verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Let's ask the Lord for help this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I sure do need you this morning. Father, I need you to put the words in my mouth, and uh, Lord, uh, the people need a heart to hear, and Father, to do something about what we learned through this passage of Scripture today in Luke chapter 10, and Father, I just ask you, Father, please, nothing will be accomplished if you don't show up, if we don't obey you, if we don't listen to you, but Father, take your word today, I, I pray, and place it in our hearts, show us the truth that we need, and just uh, help me, Father, to, you know, to preach this message. Thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For, for Brethren, we ye have been called unto liberty. You know, Paul, right in the book of Galatians, is kind of telling uh, the people there at the church of Galatia that they've been called out of the bondage of the law. They don't have to keep the law anymore. They've been saved by grace through faith. Back. fact, Verse 1 says, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You don't have to place yourself under the law. You don't have to be circumcised to be a good Jew. You need to be you need to be free. Understand that you're free in Christ. That you're saved by grace and not of works. Not by some law that you can keep. And he says, take that freedom and by love serve one another. The freedom to serve. And here in this verse 14, for all the laws fulfilled this, we can do this one thing. That we can love our neighbor as we love ourselves. If we could do that, we'd be perfect. And we wouldn't need Jesus. But we can't. We can't. And you know, it's more than just random acts of kindness to people. Now, you maybe have seen those billboards. I know they were over in the States. Random acts of kindness. And there's nothing to the matter with that. It's good to do random acts of kindness. It's good to be kind to people. But I'm not talking about just random acts of kindness. I'm talking about a life, a whole life, to love others and serve others. It's a life lived. Not just something we do once in a while. Anyone can do that. But only those that have Christ in their heart and realize that their freedom is not to do what they want to do, but do what God has called us to do. And that is to love others as we love ourselves. To love our neighbor the same way we love ourselves. Remember, Jesus said to love one another as I have loved you. He always puts a qualifier there. You know, we're to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, right? We're to love others as Christ loved us. He didn't just stop and say, just love others the way that you feel like you want to love people. Do it your way, Then, No, he said, you love others as I have loved you. Then he said, now love your neighbor as thyself. He didn't just say, you figure out how you want to love your neighbor and when you want to love your neighbor and how you want to love your neighbor. He said, love your neighbor the same way you love yourself the things you do for yourself, the way you think about yourself, the way we take care of ourselves. Love your neighbor the same way. In fact, we find in Scripture, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives. But he doesn't stop there, does he, Leo? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It seems the bar set pretty high, isn't it? Something we cannot attain without Christ. For without me you can do nothing. I need Jesus in order to do this. The bar is way too high for me. You better believe it. It's harder than you ever imagined to love your neighbor as yourself. Don't gloss over that fact. That's why Jesus, as thyself, that's why he said that. It's impossible without Jesus Christ. It's impossible. Now look in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And in verse 1, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Basically, you could encapsulate that by just saying, have care and concern and a burden for other people. Look on their needs more than your own needs. Care for them. And you'll wonder, how am I going to do that? My friend, we are rich. We have so much to give to this world as Christians. And verse 1 tells us, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Is there not consolation in Christ? It's overflowing. We are consoled in Christ. We have all the comfort of love that we possibly need in Jesus Christ. All the fellowship that we need of the Spirit. It's overflowing. If any bowels and mercies. Overflowing in Christ. We have so much to give. But we don't give it. Christ gives it through us. It's us walking with God. We are rich and we have so much to give. Yes, the bar is set high. That's why we have to depend on Christ to love our neighbors as ourself. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 says, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is all the law and the prophets. You know, this is going to be tested every day. Because you know what? If he stopped there, therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you. I bet you that list is pretty long, isn't it? I bet you got a long list about how people should treat us. I know I would like to be treated this way and this way and this way and this way. It's a long list. But the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible tells us, do ye. Everything that you want done to you, you take the initiative. Christian, you take the initiative and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The impetus is on us. You know, I think about watching a guy cut his hedge. And when he goes out to cut his hedge, he knows exactly where the line is for his neighbor. He knows exactly where the line is. And when he cuts he cuts his hedge, he cuts it right down the line. You wouldn't think of just reaching another foot and cutting the rest of that hedge. Oh no, there's a line there. That's his. I don't know why he doesn't cut it. Why can't he cut his hedge? When we just reach out a little bit and we could cut the hedge. Or when we're up on the ladder and we cut exactly halfway. Look at his hedge. When we could just reach over and cut his hedge for him. We split hairs. You know, God has moved... By liberal giving. God's heart is moved by us giving. Why don't we just reach a little farther? Cut the man's hedge. Cut the neighbor's hedge. Reach out to people because we are rich in all that we can give this world. You know, a neighbor really is anyone to whom we have the opportunity of doing good to. Anyone. Anyone that we can show love to. That's our neighbor. No Christian love gives and worldly love takes. Worldly love is lust and desire for itself. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. And the pride of life. But Christian love is supposed to be a giving love. If you're walking with God, it's easy to give to people. All the love that you have That Christ has put in you. What we have to decide is which is going to rule the day. Every day I have to decide who's in charge today. The spirit or the flesh. So that I can be the best neighbor that I can be to whoever I run into. So really, this is about our personal walk with God. I can't love my neighbor as myself. If I don't love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's absolutely impossible. That's why the verse said in Galatians, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. Jesus knew what he was saying. He knew what he was saying. You can't do it without me. Otherwise, you could keep the whole law. And then you wouldn't need me to go and die on the cross for your sins. We need, we need Jesus to do this. Learn to be a giver, a sacrificer, and doing it all willingly. You know, it's one thing to do it with a grudge in your heart. It's a whole other thing to do it to glorify the Lord. Do it like Jesus. Anytime it's in our power to help. And let me tell you, this message has been run through my heart and I am totally broken over it because I have not been the neighbor that I should be. I'm not talking about who's my neighbor. What kind of neighbor am I? And i found myself looking at every person and wondering, how can I help them if they needed help? Now, I just didn't live my life like that. I don't know about you. You're all perfect. You're angels, right? God didn't come to save you because you're all angels. He came to save me because I need this message. I need to know what it means to be a a good neighbor. How many times has someone given you a helping hand and showed love to you and bound up some wounds in your life How many times has someone reached out to you? Maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally, maybe financially. There are dozens of requests and needs from our neighbors that they may have. And we might say, okay, I can do that. I can do that. We pick and choose. But ask yourself this. When was the last time you gave your neighbor the gospel? (laughs) When was the last time you told them about Jesus Christ? When was the last time you handed them a track? Do they even know you're a Christian? You know, it was my neighbor that came in my worst time and gave me the gospel. It was my neighbor across the street who I watched his life, John Mitchell. I watched his life and his family and I wondered what kind of joy they had. Why can't I have that joy? I was lost in my sin and and the things that I was doing in my life, my lifestyle was terrible. I was lost. I was living like a lost man. But John Mitchell saw something. He said, I need to give that man the gospel. And he did. And he kept coming. And coming to my door. Actually, to me at the time, he was like the worst neighbor you could have. I mean, it's like every Tuesday night. It came came every Tuesday night. He would come, Lily, and hand me a track, and he'd come with somebody from the church because that was their visitation night. Dan, you believe the Bible, don't you? I said, I do. He said, would you read that track when you get a chance? It just has Bible verses. And every week he would have something new. I'd be sitting down in my family room downstairs. We had a bi-level house. (laughs) And I wonder, who would that be at 8 o'clock at night? It's John. He always comes every Tuesday. You know Why? He was loving his neighbor as himself. And I got saved because John Mitchell was a good neighbor. And he wouldn't have done that unless he was a, a Christian and he was able to give me the gospel. When's the last time you knocked on a door and gave somebody a track? You know, this could get difficult. Imagine treating everyone as you treat yourself. You would never be selfish to yourself. Never. You'd always give yourself all that you needed. And you would never deprive yourself of all the needed care and the comforts of life. You would never do that intentionally. You would never defame your own character. You would never think bad thoughts towards yourself. Well, maybe sometimes. But for, for the most part, you would never think bad thoughts about yourself. I mean, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, right, David? Hey, look at me. You would never think bad about yourself. How about your neighbor? You ever had a bad thought towards somebody else? Of course we have. Now we have to ask ourselves, how am I doing now? How am I doing now? Well, turn to Luke chapter 10. Turn to Luke chapter 10. There's a very familiar story in the Bible. I believe it's a parable. But it has truths. Truths. We may call it the good Samaritan. You can call it the good neighbor. Showing love to my neighbor. It doesn't have to be called the good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 25, it says this, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He's talking to Jesus. He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, "'Pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, "'and brought him to the inn, and took care of him. "'And on the morrow, when he departed, "'he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, "'and said unto him, Take care of him, "'and whatsoever thou spendest more, "'when I come again, I will repay thee. "'Which now of these three, thinkest thou, "'was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves?' And he said, He that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. What a story. What a wonderful truth. As far as I'm concerned, the heart's the heart of the matter. It's about our heart. It's not about how we look or who we are. It's about our heart. A certain lawyer comes, and he's ready to tempt Jesus. He's going to test him. With a question. By the way, it's a good question. <laughs> what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You ever ask yourself that? How do I go to heaven? How can I have eternal life in heaven? I wonder if you've ever asked yourself that today or at some point. What must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I be saved? The lawyer asks two questions and Jesus responds with three. So the passage is telling us something about eternal life. And also about being a good neighbor. Now, Jesus is tempted to give an answer. I guess that was unlawful. But he's asked a very important question. And as I just said, have you ever asked yourself, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if he's tempted to to answer unlawfully, that's not going to happen. Jesus would never say anything that wasn't perfect and truth. This lawyer is going against the greatest advocate of all time with a capital A. He's the one that stands at the throne of grace and intercedes for us when the accuser of the brethren comes. So the lawyer's up against the, the better lawyer. Jesus is our advocate and pleads our case. And guess what? He knows the law perfectly. So when the accuser of the brethren comes before the throne and says, I have that bill. How many years he spent searching these other religions and what a sinner he is. And Jesus says, Father, that case was dismissed a long time ago. But then he finds Leo and he says, wow, look at all the years of wasted living that you spent, that sinner. What about him? And Jesus says, Father, that case was pardoned a long time ago. He's forgiven. And even the young ones don't get away with it. He could accuse you before the throne, Gavin. Just a year and a half saved. Say what a dirty, rotten sinner you are. He can't really be saved. Well, yeah, the debt's been paid in full. That's the kind of lawyer we have. That's our advocate. He intercedes before the throne. So this lawyer didn't know who he was going up against, apparently. So Jesus gives him the perfect answer. But that's a good question. How can I know I'm going to heaven? How can I nail that down today? How would I know? Now look at verse 26. I'm sorry, verse 25. Verse 26 now. I already preached verse 25. He said unto him, What is written in the law, how readest thou? So Jesus takes him right back to the law. This is what ruled his life. The law. This is what he always tried to keep. There was always another hurdle, but he was willing to jump over it and be a good Jew. There's always another hoop to go through if you're trying to be good enough to enter heaven. How high is that bar, by the way? Is it this high? Is it this high? Or is it a million miles high? It's so high you'll never get over it because that bar could only be reached by one person who kept all the law, and that was Jesus. Jesus. There's always another hurdle. But this is where Jesus takes them. And Jesus now begins to ask two of his three questions. What does the Bible say and how do you read it? So if you want to know how to nail down eternal life, search the Scriptures. What does the Bible say and how do you read it? It's the perfect answer. Go right back into the law and find out. He's telling this this lawyer. Well, in verse 27, and he answering... We read that, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. What did he do? He gave him a perfect reading of the law. It was perfect. It's a perfect answer. And I'm sure as any other lawyer, he's perfectly happy with himself. And snapping his braces and saying, look, perfect answer. What do you have to say about that? Well, let me tell you, we can be the same way. We can be proud if we're trusting in ourselves. Pride will keep you out of heaven. You have to humble yourself and recognize that you're a sinner. You have to see yourself as God sees you. This lawyer didn't. This lawyer gave the perfect answer. He's trusting in his own efforts. He didn't realize what he was and who he was. But Jesus... Look in verse 28. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. Jesus tells him he's come up with the perfect answer. That is the right answer. As a Jew under the law, this do and live. Uh Uh-oh. This do and live. Huh. I just thought I gave the perfect answer. Yeah, now go do it. Now go live every day loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If it lasts more than 10 minutes, he's good. Because not a one of us can keep the law. We fall short. Not just in the 10 that we know of, the 10 commandments, and every one we've broken. If You broke one, you broke them all. Because that's what we are. We're sinners. We were born with this nature. There's nothing we can do about it. You don't get oranges from an apple tree. An apple tree drops apples on the ground because it's an apple tree. Sinners sin. This do and live. Salvation is only possible with Christ. It is impossible without Him. Because what we try to do, do, do is religion. Religion doesn't impress God one bit. It's what's already been done that impresses God. The cross impresses God. What Jesus did on that cross. There is nothing to do. There's only to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. So it's the doing under the law that could save you. But that's impossible. You'd have to live a perfect life. And from what I'm looking at, there's no perfect people in here. And from what you're looking at too, by the way. He not only knew we couldn't keep all the law, but then he went ahead and died in our place. Because he did keep the law. And he knew he could die for us and die for our sins. Thank God for Jesus. So what does our Bible say to us about inheriting eternal life? Jesus told him, what does the Bible say? How do you read it? Well, let's look at some verses. John five thirty nine, John chapter 5. And in verse 39. John chapter 5 and verse 39 says, Search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So, Jesus said exactly the perfect answer. Read your Bible. And now if we read our Bible and we search the Scriptures, they speak of Him. They speak of Him. You think you have eternal life? They are they which testify of me. Trust in Me. Go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And in verse 11. John 1.11 says, He, Jesus, came unto His own, the Jews, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, not did good works, but as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Salvation is totally of God. It is but for us to believe. You know, it's not of blood, it's not of our parents. Being born into a into a, into a Christian home, even doesn't make you a Christian. A Christian becomes a Christian when they personally trust Christ as their Savior and turn from their sin by repenting and turning to Christ by faith. But you can't just because your parents may be Christians. doesn't make you a Christian. It's not of the will of the flesh. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how good you are. There's no power or position that you can have that will make you closer to God. It's not by the will of the flesh. It's not by your own willpower you get to heaven. And it's certainly not of the will of man. I can't save you. Mommy can't even save her daughter. If she was to tell her about Christ. The priest can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. He's the only one. It says, but of God. And that's already been done. So why are we trying to do anything to earn heaven? It's already been done. If you can do better than Jesus, tell me. I'd like to know what you can do that's better than what Jesus already did. Nothing. You see why Jesus was talking to this man. And he asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he tries to tell him, go back and read the law. And he had a perfect reading. He said, well then, now do it. And the man should have realized I can't. And I haven't been. And that's what prompts the next question. He tries to justify himself. Go back to Luke. By the way, Ephesians 2, 8, nine says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's why when the Bible says, to as many as received him, to as many as received the gift, eternal life is a gift that cannot be earned. It's either of grace or it's of works. It can't be grace and works. Otherwise, grace isn't grace and works isn't works. You're either working your way to heaven or you're going to receive it as a gift by grace. By no merit of your own. But it's one or the other. Don't say I believe in Jesus but I'm doing all I can to to get home, to get to heaven. No. Just stick with Jesus. He'll get you there. So back in Luke chapter 10, look what he says there in verse 29 but he willing to justify himself said unto jesus and who is my neighbor who is my neighbor now maybe the lawyer thought he had been a good he'd been good to the, his neighbor and maybe he had but really the man was just trying to justify himself because jesus had really nailed it and that's what we do when we try to justify ourselves. We try to show ourselves righteous, that we're right with God. But another thing he should have thought of as a lawyer, you don't ask a question that you don't have an answer to. The lawyer doesn't ask somebody on the stand a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. That's how he prepares. Well, apparently this man didn't know what was coming because Jesus went through and told him about this This uh, man who was beaten and left for half dead. Now look at verse 29. We read that. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Really, he's asking who he has to show love to. Who do I have to care about as I do my own self? See, he knew God, but his neighbor he thought might be a gray area. Maybe Jesus might stumble over this one. Maybe this is something Jesus won't be able to nail down. Who exactly is my neighbor? That is another bad move. Because now his heart is revealed. And his true motives. Because he's not good to all people. He's not the best neighbor. He's not always good to his neighbor as he is to his own self. And you know what? Neither are we. And we all have fears. And we all have prejudices. And we all have favorites. And we do treat people differently sometimes. I had to admit to you, there's some people that I'm kind of nervous about. And I shouldn't be. I should love them. I don't know how to say it, but uh, sometimes Muslims bother me. They scare me. That's the fleshly side of me, but the spirit says, "Dan, you're gonna love those people. That's hard, Lord. Because of what I've seen them do, the radical Muslims. That bothers me. I'm just being honest with you. Don't tell me you don't have fears and prejudices also. And you're not gonna love those people the same way you should. Love all people. Because you have fears, or you have favorites, or you have prejudices. That's why this. That's why this." Message went through me and it just rocked me. It just, Lord, I can't do this without Jesus. See, the Bible tells us to be impartial. God isn't partial. God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter to Him who it is. It only matters to us. But it doesn't matter to God. That's why we need to know that who's your neighbor? Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But my neighbor can be close or they can be far away. My neighbor can be the person sitting next to me in church or sitting on the airplane. And even when you have the middle seat, ooh. You know, you're really not in the best mood because you got a guy laying on this shoulder and a baby crying over here. But that's your two neighbors. I'm just saying. We're to show compassion on both. Those who are far away, those who are near. But our greatest, our greatest effect will be on those that are physical reach that we can see every day. That we can reach every day. I mean, we're not in other lands. We're here. The people that we can be neighbor to, here. Who is my neighbor? Everybody that you see every day is your neighbor. And people on the other side of the world, you could pray for them. You could show love towards them the same way that you show love to yourself. I can show up compassion on both people. You know, there was a woman um, on a beach in California I just heard about. And um, she had her five-year-old boy with her. And you know it was, a, it was on a crowded California beach. So, you know, she knew where the little boy was, not from here to Mick, away from her. But she was with, he was with other little boys digging holes in the sand. And she would look over once in a while, and there he was. And one time she looked over, and he was gone. And she immediately started scouring the beach with her eyes, looking and calling out his name. Frantic. After a minute or so, frantic. And uh, everybody just, nothing. Nobody helped her. She's relaying the story. Nobody even cared. And she's frantic, calling for her child. Finally, one man. One man went up to her and said, what happened? He was just over there, but now I don't know where he is. And, And he started calling the name. But then he happened to notice that the kids that were still at playing over there where her child was were still digging in the sand. And he ran over, and now a couple other men came over. And they saw that the kids were digging frantically. So they began to dig frantically. And they hit a leg, and they pulled out that little boy. He lived, by the way, but he was ashen. He was about to die. He had been under the sand for a minute or so. Uh, Not long, because mom was keeping an eye on him. But it was just a matter of somebody do something. And finally, this man did something, and somebody else helped. Otherwise, the kid would have died. Can't we just do something? All of us have walked by situations before. And some, I grant you, we got to be careful and have some judgment about where we're going to stick our nose. But I found myself asking people more and more because of this message, do you need help? Are you okay? You know, just yesterday. Just having a chance to say, are you all right? You need some help. Just trying to show love to people. You know, in verse 30, Verse 30 says, In Jesus' answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to, to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Who's my neighbor? This man is beaten and naked and left for dead. And he's unable to help himself. Now, we don't see that every day, do we? Yes, we do. Every day we pass by lost sinners. And we wouldn't think for a second to give them a track." They're just, they're just as worse off as this man is because they don't know Jesus. And if they die without Christ, they're going to hell. And we walk right past them. You know, our neighbor is just a fellow human being. Those that we see every day. Anyone can help. Anyone we can help is our neighbor. We see our neighbors and we pass by, we think they're doing okay. Hey, they're doing better than I am. Well, if they're lost, they're not. They're not doing better than you. We ought to love them with the gospel. Who is my neighbor? Now look, let's look at the love in action here. In verse 36, Jesus says this, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? So Jesus asks a question about three individuals we're going to look at in just a second, and their responses to a need. Remember, he's asking, who is my neighbor? Jesus asks, which of these three showed himself to be neighbor? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's the Christian that is to take the initiative to be a good neighbor. Think of the impact we could have on this world if we began to act and not let the world act upon us. Think of the difference it would make if you were to give a tract to your neighbor. Think of the difference. Somebody gave a track to me. Somebody talked to me about Jesus. That's why I'm standing here today. Because of my neighbor. It's all funneling through my mind and my heart now. Thinking, I just need to be a good neighbor to my, to, to people that I run into every day. Think of the impact. Who was neighbor to this man? Who showed love to this broken man? Who did as he wanted done to himself? Verse 31 and 32, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Along come the religious folks. No involvement. No care. Because religion doesn't get you close to God. Being a born-again Christian and knowing Christ and having him in your heart brings you closer to God. These religious folks had no care, no help, only concern for themselves. An act of kindness on their part just might go unnoticed, and we wouldn't have that. I'm not going to get my hands dirty without anybody knowing about it. How far can you reach around and pat yourself on the back? They're not going to get involved. It's not for me. They made a deliberate choice to avoid helping that man. But sadly, so have I. I've passed by on the other side sometimes. And if you admit it, you have too. You see what it means to be a good neighbor? Letting Jesus work through your heart in your life. How many times have you passed by and not been a good neighbor? So verse 33 says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The least liked of all by the Jews stops and helps this man. Remember, the man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. So it was probably a Jew going to the town of Jericho some ten miles away. Not always the easiest road to travel. There were thieves along there. And this Jew apparently got his clock cleaned, as we say. And he's left there for dead. And who stops and helps him? One of the people that the Jews hated. The half-breed Samaritans. Those that had married those heathen during the, during the captivity, the Syrian captivity of the Jews. They didn't like him. They worshipped a different God. Well, the Samaritans thought the same thing about the Jews, by the way. But the least liked of the Jews shows love and compassion. Let me tell you what compassion is. Compassion is suffering with another person. Going through something with another person. to yeah. Take their burden upon you. That's compassion. And that's what that man did. Verse 34 and verse 35. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host and said to him take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when i come again i will repay thee the samaritan showed love to this man as he would want to be treated he actually did live the law didn't he so verse 36 jesus asked the lawyer so who showed himself to be a neighbor to this helpless man now we all have to answer that question and here's the criteria that jesus gave us to consider it was the one who responded. It was the one who saw the need and then responded. That's who showed love. If anyone could have passed by and been justified, it would have been the Samaritan. I don't have any dealings with the Jews. They don't have any dealings with me. But there was a need. And there's a gospel need in our in our world around us today too. People need Jesus. It was the one who took whatever steps were necessary. The Bible says do unto others. We really have more to give than we think. That's why I read you Philippians. We have a lot. It doesn't always have to be money, you know. It could be mercy and forgiveness. Just, Just helping people. He did what he could with what he had. And God multiplied it and took care of that man. Engage others to help. The owner of the inn. He told the owner, take care of him. Whatever else you need, I'll take care of that. So if I'm going to help, I can engage someone else to help. I think that's why we go out two by two, by the way. Go recruit a friend. Go love a neighbor. Go give out some tracks. Does that make any sense? Do people need to be saved? There's a lot of people in the hospital that I may not be able to do anything about. I'm not a doctor but I do know the gospel and I can help some people know Jesus Christ. So let us not just sit here and just say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ and we can turn this world upside down and show some compassion on people and go out two by two and start being there on Saturdays and making sure you're knocking on some doors and handing out some leaflets and be a loving neighbor. To the people that are all around us here in Balling College. And as far as it will reach. And then pay the cost. In money. That was two days wages by the way. Two days wages he left there at the inn. Whatever else is needed. I'll come back and spend that too. The possessions he had. The oil and the wine. And by the way the oil was just like a soothing balm for his cuts. And his bruises. And the, And the wine wasn't for drinking. It was for medicine. It was to cleanse the wounds. Very common for a Jew or any of those during those times to carry wine to be used as a medicine and sometimes for their stomach's sake. He spent time. It's one of our most valuable resources. Our time. This is my time. He spent time. The Samaritans spent a day and a night He didn't leave till the next day. That's a long time to spend with somebody that he didn't know. And he showed care and concern. And by the way, that doesn't cost anything until you have to put it into action. And it costs. And I could read you James chapter 2 about faith without works is dead. We can say a lot, but until we do something about it, it doesn't mean a thing. They're just hollow words. They go out and they fall down and hit the ground. So finally, what's the admission in the charge? Verse 37. And he said, He that showeth mercy on him. Jesus had asked, So who was neighbor to this man that fell among thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. So the lawyer must admit it was the Samaritan. Who showed mercy. He's the one that acted. The heart came through this Samaritan. And it showed in his outward actions toward another person. Jesus tells the Lord to go and do thou likewise. We all know that none of us can love God all the time. With all of our mind and our soul and our strength. Let alone others. We need Jesus Christ to do it. We need His heart in us to do it. Because it's frankly, it's not in us, Leo, to do it. Jesus has to do it through us. And that's what it means to be a Christian. We get saved because God does the saving, and then we live our lives because God wants to live His life through us. Now here's what I want you to take note of. The lawyer asked, Who is my neighbor? Jesus never really did tell him that. He asked him... He said, Jesus asked him, who was neighbor? The lawyer says, who is my neighbor? Jesus said, who was neighbor? So what's the lesson? Don't ask, who is my neighbor? Just be a good neighbor. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Don't be concerned about who's your neighbor. Be concerned about, are you being a good neighbor? How can I be a good and loving neighbor? Leviticus chapter 19. I just want to look at a few scriptures here. We'll be done in just a few minutes. Leviticus chapter 19. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 says this. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Christ made this verse the second great commandment of the law. The first one was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the other was to show uh, show love unto your neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself. Loving my neighbor as myself. So how do we... How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Well, let me just say this. We will never love others as we should till we love God first. All right? So, loving my neighbor as myself, obey the first commandment first. You just can't do it. You just can't love someone else until you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. So what's the first thing I have to do to love my neighbor? Obey the first commandment first. Love God with all your heart. Then see the need. Then see the need. There. Then see the need with new eyes. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Look at Matthew chapter 9. I put these verses at the end here. And I want you to see these. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. You can't see with your old eyes. You have to see with a new set of eyes. You have to see through Jesus' eyes. See, the Samaritans saw the need. Look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, who, who is this talking about? Jesus. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. When Jesus looked on the multitudes, He was immediately moved with compassion. It moved His heart. I don't know that it does that for us all the time. When we look on the multitudes, we don't get moved with compassion. It's because we're not loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if we did, He would move our hearts to show compassion on people. You have to see souls in need. And then have compassion. We're told as Christians to be pitiful. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion, one of another. Love as brethren. Be Pitiful. Be courteous. We're to have some compassion. We're told as Christians to be pitiful. We shouldn't be pitiful. You know what I mean? We are to have pity towards people. Have mercy towards people. And then we're to be impartial. Acts 10.34 talks about when Paul was sent to Cornelius, this Italian soldier, this Gentile, and Paul had, Peter had to exclaim, I see that God is no respecter of persons. We have to be impartial. It doesn't matter who needs our help. It only, it only matters to us, really. It doesn't matter to God. See, we can be partial, but we are to be impartial the way God is. It doesn't matter to God who is our neighbor. It seems to only matter to us who we would have a compassion for. By the way, do whatever is necessary. Do whatever is necessary. It will take our time and our finances. Remember, the Samaritan put this man on his own beast. You know, when I read this just last night, I had to add a verse of scripture. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. But I also had a, I also had an illustration. You know, when I was playing golf with Buddy Blunkhoff, you guys remember. And by the way, he pushed me and that's how I hurt my knee. I, I would not let him off the hook. Well, we tried to play golf up there at the Lee Valley, and and uh, we were running neck and neck there, and it started to rain pretty bad, and uh, Buddy had already left the 14th green, and uh, I was still putting out. <clears throat> it wasn't a par. Uh, I was still putting out, and then I was coming down off the, the green and set up on a hill, and I took one step, and boom, my knee blew out, and I'm laying there with my clubs <laughs> all strewn all over the place, and I'm... Laying there on the side of the hill. And Buddy says, are you okay? I said, no. (laughs) My knee blew out. I know exactly what it is. Like the other one. So anyway, that's besides the point. The man came on a golf cart. Paul Cohen, the guy that runs the place. He came on a golf cart. And he literally picked me up. And I'm 230 pounds. He picked me up and put me in the golf cart. Buddy hung on the back. Standing on the bumper. And we made it all the way back to the clubhouse. Then, I gave Buddy the keys to my car, and he took me in the golf cart over to his car. He picked me up and slid me in the back seat, and by the way, I want you to know, I was drenched, soaking wet, with grass clippings all over me. Because you know, they had just cut the green or whatever. That was all over his car. He slid me in the back seat, drove me to UC, I mean, the uh, uh, Cork Hospital, CUH. He drove me to C.U.H., and then he waited there with me until they decided to take me. As far as I know, he's not saved. But I'll tell you what, he was a good neighbor. He showed me something. I wish I could be. Do half of what that man did for me. He just showed himself to be a good neighbor. You know, in Luke chapter 6, in verse 35, it says, But love your enemies. And do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom, For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. Now I know in those previous verses, there's a little tiny bit talking about actual money. The rest of it is all the things of Philippians chapter 2. Love and mercy and compassion and pity and forgiveness. That's what we're to give. Give and it shall be given unto you. You want mercy? Give some mercy. You want compassion? Give some compassion. It'll be given pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom the same way you give it. It just opened up the verse to me. It's not all about money. It's all about compassion and love. That's what it's about, forgiveness. You give, overflowing to other people, and it'll come back to you. But that's not why you do it. You do it because God said give, and it shall be given unto you. And then prompt others. Prompt others to do the same through your example. I think we need to go out and recruit some people. God, oh, let's go soul one. Hey, you come with me. Let me give a track to my neighbor. Just help whoever I can help. So what's your decision? To love your neighbor? to Practically reach out to them and, and not pass by on the other side. Remember what started this. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Remember the lawyer asked? Well, I can tell you what you have to do. A Philippian jailer asked the same question. Came down trembling, knowing that he was a lost sinner and fell down before Paul and said, What must I do to be saved? And Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You're here this morning and you're not saved. What are you waiting for? God's already done it. All he wants you to do is believe in his son Jesus Christ. Not do any works of your own. Just believe. Just trust. Every one of you came in here and got onto that seat. You just sat. You sat your bums right down in it. You didn't look at the legs. You didn't check it and see if it would hold you up. You trusted it. Why can't you put that same trust in Jesus Christ? You can give him a thorough inspection if you want, but you'll find him absolutely faultless. You'll find him the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It's all stand.